December 19th A brush with death and brandy Mr. Samuel, never Sam, Kinch, managing director of Bulliver Toys, the managing director planning to fire most of the staff during the work Christmas party, and well-known sufferer from a deadly nut allergy, not killed when he was prevented from eating a brandy snap laced with peanuts. That possibly should have come with a spoiler alert. Sorry. Dead Vent Calendar, a merry murder mystery in 24 crimes. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. I'm not sure I could tell you entirely honestly what I did the next day. I know I had to speak to the police again, although what on earth I might have told them, goodness only knows. I know I walked aimlessly about the London streets, only to find that my feet instinctively brought me to the pavement outside our cratered and ashen house, and that I stood staring at it, confused for some minutes before I realised what I was looking at. I'm pretty sure I spent several hours just sitting on the bed in my hotel room in front of a muted TV set, not seeing it at all. One thing I do know is that at 6pm prompt, I presented myself in the reception of Bulliver's Toys in the clothes I'd been wearing the day before and the day before that and not caring about it in the least. The receptionist was no more pleased to see me arrive than she had been to see me go the previous day, but she put on a smile to match her jaunty paper hat and tinsel earrings and ushered me through into what was evidently usually the staff canteen. It was a long, low room with a polystyrene-tiled ceiling stained yellow from the years when smoking had been more than allowed and brown paths worn into the lino, still crimson in the corners where nobody went. Mid-century municipal tables of faded green and blue formica and bent metal legs had been pushed to the walls and staff were bustling to and fro, laying out foil platters of party food. Mr Kinch was standing in the middle of the room, glaring at people as they dashed around him. Williams, he said when he saw me, with an air of unnerving relief. Still setting up. Keep half of that wine back, he growled at a passing waiter, and none of the champagne, that's for the board. He advanced on me and put an unlikely hand on my shoulder where it rested warily, unsure of what it was doing there. That's me now, the board, he said. Young Oscar Bolivar hasn't shown. Gone on holiday, he says. Disappeared. That's why I wanted you. Difficult night. Could do with an ally. A lot of change is happening. A lot new. They don't like new. They don't like change. Gonna be difficult. Still, he said, finally taking the hand away. Can't be sentimental. Not now. If what had happened the day before yesterday hadn't happened, I might at this moment have been beginning to see Krampus's point. Not those. Mr Kinch turned and barked at a member of staff. Don't put those out. Those are mine. Ordered them from Fortnum's. Give him you. He stalked across and grabbed the foil tray. The man who had been carrying it flinched and turned away back into the kitchen. <laughs> Brandy snaps, he said, returning towards me. Order them myself. I deserve a treat. Difficult business. Afterward especially. Natalogy. 
Couldn't just the rest. Could kill me. Any of it. He picked one up from the tray. I think I have probably made it plain that in these immediate days after Shiloh's death, I was not entirely all there. I was prone to drifting off, not wholly paying attention to where I was or what was going on. But even in this state, I was not entirely without my wits. A most unseasonal Christmas party, a nut allergy, a specially ordered delivery of brandy snaps, a waiter who even now was sidling from the room with his face averted trying not to be seen. I was not going to let Krampus get the better of me again. No! I leapt forward, snatching with one hand the brandy snap from Mr. Kinch's lips and with the other the foiled tray, throwing them all up into the air so that they came down in a crackling, squidgy rain all around us. What? shouted Kinch. Are you mad? Nuts! I replied. They've got nuts in. Don't touch them. But there was no time to explain. Even now I could see the waiter shouldering through the kitchen beyond. What had Shiloh said? That Krampus wouldn't trust the details to anyone else. It had to be him. It had to be. Right there. And I ran. The waiter was already out of the kitchen by the time I got there. But since everyone else was just standing there, staring open-mouthed at the back door, I had a pretty good idea of where he'd gone and a much easier time of following him. The back door led out to a small yard and smoking area, judging by the carpet of discarded butts underfoot. At the far end was a fire escape ladder, and at the top of it was a figure in a white shirt and black trousers just jumping off onto the roof beyond. I clambered up to find myself looking at a serrated factory roof, a series of sharp angles and steep drops stretching away in front of me. It was empty, and then a scrambling figure topped the next ridge along and dropped out of sight. It was a frantic, sweaty, grimy chase. I scrabbled up the slippery tiles to the top of a ridge and then dropped down into a slimy gutter, only to launch myself up another peak beyond. My quarry, always one roof line ahead of me, appearing in sudden flashes of stark, expressionist light from the periodic skylights in the roof. Then I saw him crest a final ridge and leap arms flailing. I dropped, scrambled and found myself looking down into a sudden dark drop, just feet across, beyond it a flat roof. Before I knew it, I had instinctively jumped, just making it to the lip of the wall beyond, teetering for one heart-stopping moment and finally tipping myself forward. The roof around me was a confused mass of shadow. Chimneys, air conditioning outlets, wires and aerials. I paused for a moment, listening. It was curiously quiet up there. The sound of traffic from the street below deadened, just the dim orange gleam of streetlights and the flickering of misfiring strip lights through hidden windows. Nothing moved across the roof. I picked my way forward carefully, stepping over a poorly secured cable and into the shadow of an ancient electrical plant. And then something moved, suddenly, launching from behind a chimney beside me and rushing to the far end of the roof. Then it tripped, swore briefly, and I was on it before it could reach its feet again. It wriggled away from me and I found something coming away in my hand. I looked down and discovered I was holding a nose. A nose... I didn't have time to think about that. The figure lurched to its feet and I cannoned into it, knocking it over into the light and I found myself lying on top of it, staring down into the face of Shiloh Coombs. I leapt up astonished. He scrambled up and flung out an arm. You idiot! He shouted. He's getting away! I looked to where he was gesturing. At the edge of the next roof along, a figure had paused briefly, silhouetted against the glare of a billboard. It raised a hand in a mock salute, turned, and dropped out of sight. I turned back to where Shiloh was glaring at me. Shiloh Coombs, my friend. 
not blown to smithereens, but entirely in one piece, in the flesh, alive. We lost him, he said. You blundering fool. Well, I'm pleased to see you too, I said. You have been listening to Deadvent Calendar, written by Tobias Sturt from an original idea by Tobias Sturt and Rowan Davis. The story is read by John Millington, and I read the murders. The music is The Slay by The Sportsman and by Mitch Miller and his orchestra and chorus, both from the Internet Archive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word, and even rate and review it if you can. You can find more on SoundCloud, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, and on our website at ruritania.co.uk slash stories. And tune in next episode to open another fatal window in our dead vent calendar. We are going onward through the night.